0: When one has to bring the word, you're always a bit nervous beforehand. Uh, And I was praying about that during the praise and worship, and then the Lord reminded me, that he's also spoken through a donkey before, so I need not worry. Okay, so on to the sermon then. Uh, tonight's talk is about depression. It sounds a bit of a heavy topic, but it's intended to be uplifting, and if you're currently depressed, I trust that you will find it especially uplifting. Depression is defined in the Oxford English Dictionary as feelings of severe despondency and dejection, typically also with feelings of inadequacy and guilt, often accompanied by a lack of energy and disturbance of appetite and sleep. Now for the Christian, these feelings of inadequacy are magnified because you tend to think that no real Christian would feel as bad as you do? What, why are you feeling like this? And you will find that sometimes your Christian family and friends may even tell you so. And that is definitely not helpful to criticize a person that is suffering from depression because they can't just snap out of it. Uh, telling them, don't be like that, muni suaviyasni is certainly not helpful. Remember that if you're depressed, you're not objective about your circumstances. So to tell the person how good their life is and how thankful they should be is also unlikely to help. It may in fact make a person feel worse because now they feel guilty as well. Maybe I have a bit more sympathy with depressed people because I tend to be of a bit of a gloomy disposition myself but the fact is that you're not alone if you're depressed you will not, you're not the first Christian truly saved child of God to feel depressed nor will you be the last many men of God through the ages have suffered from depression if we take a local example Dr. Suen Siefenster, the founder of Radio Tigerberg, went through a bout of depression and he brought a series of sermons about the experience afterwards. Louis Giglio, the founder of Passion City Church and the Passion Youth Movement, uh, suffered from debilitating depression for months on end where he had anxiety and ta- attacks and thought that, that he was dying. But even in the Bible, we find that many Bible characters suffered through depression. For example, Elijah, David, Naomi. And there are even indications that Paul might have suffered from depression from time to time. If you look at 2 Timothy 4, verse 9 to 16, for example, there seems to be indications that he was depressed at that time. But there is hope. All of these people that I've mentioned found their way back from depression back to life and back to joy. And Louis Giglio, for example, wrote a book about it afterwards called Comeback that was intended to help others dealing with depression. So let's start out by looking at some of the potential causes and risk factors that may cause depression or exacerbate it. Now first on that list is sin. And please don't think that I'm now kicking you while you're down, but if you are a child of God and you're living in known sin, you should be feeling unhappy. So that is just one of those things that one must, if if you look at the potential causes, the possibility that it's because of sin is one of the things that you must investigate, look at, and eliminate. And... Uh, The obvious way around that, if you find that that you are living in known sin, is to repent from that. Secondly, there may be medical causes for depression. Certainly it's a side effect and in some cases even a primary symptom of various diseases. And chemical imbalances and hormonal imbalances can cause or contribute to depression. So that is also something to look at if you are feeling depressed. An unhealthy lifestyle, a sedentary lifestyle where you never get exercise and you only eat unhealthy foods may contribute because there's a link between lack of energy and depression. So if you're very unfit, you will have the lack of energy and that can easily turn into depression. If you're tired, depression can take root because as I've said, depression causes tiredness but tiredness can also contribute to depression so be careful of working too hard and being overworked. Then there's the whole thing about being burdened, being burdened beyond what you should bear. because remember that you should not put yourself under undue pressure. Not every burden in the world is yours to bear. And God invites us to roll our burdens onto him. Unforgiveness, focusing on your hurt, will certainly contribute to depression. And then the victim spirit. And what I'm going to say now might be slightly controversial So it's my personal view and does not necessarily reflect the view of Biker's Church. But we in South Africa, the the victim spirit really seems to be alive and well here. Yesterday I heard on the radio that there's a taxi association that is contemplating a strike because they feel victimized by the traffic authorities. Now, the rest of us probably feel victimized by the charities, and if a traffic cop gives you a fine, you're likely to respond, but what about the taxis? Why are you picking on me? But much sadder than that is it seems to me that almost every racial group in South Africa feels themselves to be the victims of another racial group. Certainly, we all know about apartheid and the legacy of apartheid, and what happened and the discrimination and all that. But even government ministers still view themselves as victims, which is certainly sad. But not to exclude the whiteys, nowadays the whiteys certainly see themselves as victims of employment equity and BEE, etc. You You come across, in the white community, you come across statements like that all the time. I will never be promoted again because I'm the wrong color. My daughter will not get into medical school because she's the wrong color. Things like that. And and certainly, yes, many people have been victims of very bad things. But surely if you're a child of God, that should not be what defines you. The child of God is not a victim. So get rid of the victim spirit. Then trying to live life in your own strength will certainly... Uh, you'll very likely feel overwhelmed, which can cause you to become depressed. Trying to please people, an unhealthy addiction to approval, which you you cannot meet people's expectations, that can cause depression. As well, comparing yourselves to others, remember their Facebook lives aren't real either. So don't compare yourself to others. And then an interesting one is when you've experienced a major success, that can contribute to depression. Uh, typically, if there's been a long stressful period and that stress suddenly ends, it can often roll over into depression. In, in the business world, there's even a term for that where they call it post-project depression. And when we now study Elijah, I think we'll find that that is likely that that was one of the causes of his depression. So Elijah, if you start in 1 Kings 17 was under lots of stress for a very long time. It starts out by him confronting the godless King Ahab and telling him that there will be this major years long drought and it will not rain again until Elijah says so. Now. Confronting a godless king with a message like that is a risky, stressful move. Then God sends him to go and hide by a little stream and says, And it will be that you shall drink from the brook, and I have commanded the ravens to feed you there. Now the ravens are unclean birds. In Leviticus they are even called an abomination. So, For a practicing Jew and Israelite to be fed by ravens is certainly out of the norm. And one has to wonder what was the food that the ravens brought him. I would tend to think it's unlikely that it was cupcakes in some kind of, it, it might well have been carrion. Okay, so he's having to deal with this strange source of food, dealing with unclean birds on whom he's dependent. And then, remember, there's this years-long drought, then the stream dries up. So then God says to him, arise, go to Zarephath, which belongs to Sidon, and dwell there. See, I have commanded a widow there to provide for you. Now, it's already a humiliation to be dependent on a widow, to have a widow caring for you. But this widow doesn't even have food for herself and her child. Okay, God, through Elijah, miraculously provides food for that household. But then the widow's son dies. And again, miraculously, the son gets resurrected. But we should not allow that fact that there was this miraculous intervention in terms of food and this miraculous resurrection of the son to blind ourselves to the fact how stressful that would have been for Elijah. And we see a glimpse of that in verse 20 where he says, O Lord my God, have you also brought tragedy on the widow with whom I lodge by killing her son? So there's already the roots of a bit of depression in there. Then God sends him back to King Ahab again, and all these intervening time, uh, Ahab was launching Manant after Manant to find Elijah, so now he has to go and confront Ahab, which he does. Then on Mount Carmel, he stands alone against 400 prophets of Asherah and 400 prophets of Baal in a very, very high-stakes encounter where they agree that they will both bring a sacrifice and the God who answers with fire will be the real God and that is the God that the people will follow. So talk about being under pressure. But then things go very well. There's a major success. God answers with fire. Elijah executes all the prophets of Baal The people admit that the Lord is God and God sends immediate rain. But very often after a success or after a long stressful period everything comes tumbling down. So the next day a relatively small threat is the final straw. Jezebel, Ahab's wife, threatens him and he flees for his life and then he falls into full-on depression including a wish to die, a feeling of loneliness, a feeling of abandonment. Now clearly it's ironical that he is threatened with death, then flees, and then prays to die. Because we read in verse 4, And he prayed that he might die, and said, It is enough. Now, Lord, take my life, for I am no better than my father's. The children of Israel have forsaken your covenant torn down your altars and killed your prophets with a sword I alone am left and they seek to take my life but if you think back one day just yesterday the people admitted that the Lord is God so you, you see again that a depressed person is not necessarily objective and he repeats this twice then He starts on the way back. God helps him. Firstly, God allows him to rest. Then God provides food and commands him to eat the food. Then he's off to the Mount of God at Horeb, where God shows him his power. Firstly, through a wind that is so powerful that it tears rocks apart. Then the Lord shows him a large earthquake. And then he shows him fire, but it says the Lord was in none of those things. The Lord was in a still, small voice. In the Afrikaans overtaling say it, die Yerevas was in die gesuis van sagte koelte. But then, as God is talking to him, asking him, what is he doing there? He says again, the children of Israel have forsaken your covenant Torn down your altars and killed your prophets with a sword. I alone am left, and they seek to take my life. So we see that he repeats this even after the Lord himself has started speaking to him. And what this shows to me is that the way back from depression is not quick or easy. What God then does is to give him new tasks the Lord provides somebody to help him and that will eventually succeed him and shows him that he's not alone after all because God tells him that there are 7,000 others left who have not bowed down to Baal. So Elijah's life ends very well and uh, on a very high note. He goes and courageously confronts Ahab again in 1 Kings 21. Then he prophesies against another wicked king who then duly sends 50 soldiers to arrest him. So the first group of soldiers are quite arrogant. So Elijah commands fire from heaven to fall on them, which consumes them. Then the king sends another 50 soldiers and they're arrogant again. And the same thing happens to them but then when the third group arrives, the commander has, has learned a few things. So he goes up to Elijah and says, Please let my life and the life of my men be precious in your sight. Won't you please come with me? And Elijah does. Then Elijah becomes one of only three people in the Bible to be taken to heaven alive. And we find him again in the New Testament where he appears with Jesus On the Mount of Transfiguration. So we see that after going through the depths of depression, there was healing for Elijah, God used him again, and God honored him above pretty much everyone else. David is also a good example of how one can deal with setbacks and the heartache. So, one example of that we see in 1 Samuel 30. So David and his men came to the city, and there it was, burnt with fire, and their wives, their sons, and their daughters had been taken captive. Then David and the people who were with him lifted up their voices and wept, until they had no more power to weep. And David's two wives had been taken captives. captive. Now David was greatly distressed, for the people spoke of stoning him, because the soul of the people was grieved, Every man for his sons and his daughters. But now the secret. But David strengthened himself in the Lord his God. In many of the Psalms, we see that David and other psalmists start out in a very gloomy, depressed state, but then they switch to hope as they start to focus on God and uh, start to praise God. Okay, so let's look at how depression can be avoided or how it can be reversed while still in its early stages. Because with depression, as with many other things, prevention is better than cure. Firstly, we're talking about rest. Tiredness is a risk. Satan would like to keep you tired, would love to disturb your sleep, because when you're tired, you don't have energy and you're on the back foot. We see early on in the Bible that God instituted a cycle of rest. That Sabbath law where you're supposed to rest every seventh day. That was not just some arbitrary rule of God. That was instituted for our good and to protect us to ensure that we get sufficient rest. And I think many of the problems we experience is because we are not adhering to that rule of the Lord. Then healthy habits such as exercise and healthy eating will play a role in helping. Do not carry unnecessary burdens. Not every burden around is yours to bear. As uh, Angus Bachan once said as well, a need is not a calling. The fact that you've identified a need does not necessarily mean that you're the person who should be meeting that need. And as Charles said a few weeks ago, we sheep, and a sheep is not a beast of burden. A scarp is near las er En In sê specific for ons that say las is lich, his yoke is soft and his load is light. So do not carry those unnecessary burdens. Then what you expose yourself to is certainly also a risk factor. Ask yourself whether you often get drawn into negative complaining conversations and try to avoid that. What do you focus on? Are you focusing on God or are you focusing on your negative thoughts, emotions and uh, hurtful negative circumstances you find yourself in it? Because as you biker guys will know, you go where you focus. Are you living a surrendered life or are you doing your own thing? Then be very careful with the feelings. Don't trust your feelings. Be real. Trying to be something you're not, faking it will not work. Then don't neglect fellowship, especially if you feel down. Regular Bible study and doing your life with God will also help against depression. And then worship And worship music. Many of the people who have found their way back from depression have talked about the role that worship music, praise and worship music, uh, had in in that return from, from depression. And I think the reason it works is because it shifts the focus away from yourself and onto God and the faithfulness of God. So let's unpack a few of these. Perspective. It's important to have that perspective that God loves you and that God cares for you. And what that means is that your enemies or the government or the politicians or your boss or your family or whoever is working against you do not have the final say on what is happening in your life. They cannot prevent God from blessing you. Then what might sound negative, but actually isn't, is this earth is not our home. We're not home yet. We're on our way home. So, however negative the current circumstances are, it's not permanent. We can look forward to a heavenly home, which will be perfect. Then, you can rely on God to limit the adversity even if he doesn't feel so that he does because he's, even in the case of Job, he limited what the devil was allowed to do. And then remember that Jesus is always with you even if you do not feel it. For example, in Matthew 28 verse 20, he says, Lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. And in Hebrews 13 verse 5, for he himself has said I will never leave you nor forsake you. So we move we need to know what God says and not try and rely on our feelings. And an example of that we can see in Psalm 46. The psalm starts out by describing a major disaster. The earth is knocked off course and the mountains are carried into the depths of the sea. But then in verse 10 we find those words that says, Be still and know that I am God. And notice that it says know that I am God, not feel that I am God. So we need to move beyond how we feel. So let's look at another example in the Bible, Habakkuk 1 starts out by saying, O Lord, how long shall I cry and you will not hear? Even cry out to you violence and you will not save. Why do you show me iniquity and cause me to see trouble? For plundering and violence are before me, there is strife and contention arises, therefore the law is powerless. And justice never goes forth. For the wicked surround the righteous, therefore perverse judgment proceeds. Now this part of Habakkuk, I think, sounds pretty familiar to a South African. Isn't this how we often feel? But we should not stay there. With the help of God, we can move on to the end of Habakkuk, where we read, Though the fig tree may not blossom, nor fruit be on the vine." Focus on God Philippians 4 Rejoicing the Lord always again I will say rejoice let your gentleness be known to all men the Lord is at hand be anxious. Towards the end of the sermon, a few promises to contemplate that might also help you. Isaiah 40. Have you not known, have you not heard, the everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth, neither faints nor is weary. His understanding is unsearchable. He gives power to the weak, and to those who have no might, he increases strength. Even the youths shall faint and be weary, and the young men shall utterly fall. But those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Philippians 4. And my God shall supply all your need according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. You can trust the Lord to provide. When the Israelites were in the desert on the way from Egypt, he supplied water, bread, meat to millions of people in the middle of the desert. And he is still the same God today. Hebrews 13. Let your conduct be without covetousness. Be content with such things as you have. For he himself has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. Now, very nice verse. But you may be thinking, yes, but that was particular circumstances. It was at a particular time. Is that even applicable today? And we see the answer in verse eight. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, to ma- today, yesterday, today, and forever. I'll repeat that. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today and forever Matthew 11 Come to me all you are all you who labor and are heavy laden and I will give you rest Take my yoke upon you and learn from me for I am gentle and lowly in heart and you will find rest for your souls For my yoke is easy and my burden is light There are many promises of provision in the Bible Very well-known piece of scripture in Matthew 6. Therefore, do not worry, saying, What shall we eat? What shall we drink? What shall we wear? For after all these things did Gentiles seek, for your heavenly Father knows that you need these things. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, For tomorrow will worry about its own things. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. Some more promises. Matthew 7. If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father who is in heaven give good things to those who ask him? Philippians 4. And my God shall supply all your need according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. And 1 Peter 5, casting all your care upon him, for he cares for you. And as I said before, your enemies cannot prevent God caring for you. Okay, so what if you've not been able to avert depression? You... As you sit here tonight, you're already deep in depression. You are not able to avoid it. What should you do then? And what should you not do then? Firstly, don't hide. Don't avoid people. And don't be fake. Admit that you feel depressed. Do not put up a false front. Seek help. Seek help from a spiritual counselor, from your pastor, from... Uh, medical help to check out whether there's not something wrong medically. Read your Bible even if you don't want to. Study the promises in, in Scripture. Those promises that says that He will never leave you or forsake you. That He will be with you always because you are bound to feel alone and abandoned. And then again this whole thing about praise and worship, where many people who have suffered from depression uh, say that 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 has played a very large role in uh, their comeback. So I hope that these few pointers may may help you. So tonight, I'm not uh, going to embarrass people who may be depressed by asking you to stand or to raise a hand so that I can pray for you. I'll just end up Praying for everybody. But just one last thought before I pray. We've seen all these very nice promises in the word. But all of those promises are for the child of God. So if you have not yet accepted Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. I'm afraid those promises are not applicable to you. But it is very easy to make those promises applicable to you simply by accepting Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. And if you want to discuss that with somebody after the service, uh, any of the CMA members, you will recognize them by their colors. Any of them will be delighted to have a, a chat with you. Okay, so let's pray. Lord, thank you for all the promises we have in your word. But then we also know and realize from experience that sometimes Satan is able to keep us from seeing or believing these promises that you have given us. So tonight, I would ask you that you will reveal yourself to anybody in this audience who may be feeling gloomy or depressed that you will show them how much you love them in a way that they will experience and recognize and see that they, that there's no way that they will be able to deny or still feel lonelier or abandoned after you've shown your love to them, Lord and I ask that you will help us as brothers and sisters in Christ to assist those who are gloomy and feeling depressed, those who are suffering that it will really be a case that the love among the brethren and the sisters will be the distinguishing characteristic of your church. Lord, thank you for what you are doing for us. Thank you for what you have promised for us. Thank you that you are willing to be our God. Amen.